Hi, love. My name is Nitika Chopra, and I am your host for the podcast, Thriving Together. I'm so excited about this show because we are going to genuinely be on the journey together. I'll be sharing lots of behind the scenes and as many unfiltered moments from my life as I possibly can as I take you through what it has meant for me to learn how to thrive and the ways that I'm still learning every single day. While you will be on your own journey of thriving, figuring out what that means for you. And I know that so many of you out there might not even know if thriving is possible, but I want you to know through this podcast and this show that it absolutely is, that it has to be on your own terms. Thank you so much for being here with me and let's get started with thriving together. Hi, everybody. I am Nitika Chopra, your host of the Thriving Together podcast, and I am so honored and so excited to be here with you today for so many reasons. For starters, this is our first episode of season three of this podcast, and we have a bunch of changes coming at you in this new season that I think you're going to be really excited about. I know I'm really excited about them. And also because we have an incredible, incredible guest today that I'm so honored to be sharing with you. And I want to start by giving you a little bit of an update as to what's been going on with me and, you know, where I'm at. We are launching this third season on March 3rd, which happens to be my 14-year business anniversary. I cannot even believe that. But it's true. I remember starting my first company, Fellow Life, when I was in a leasing office at the Tate, which is the building on 23rd and 10th here in Manhattan. And I was, yeah, I was, I was doing the whole leasing agent thing as a real estate agent. And I loved that job in certain ways, but I just knew that I was like craving something bigger, craving something more. And I sent out my first newsletter and I was using MailChimp back then. (laughs) And I remember I got a flurry of emails from all of these different people after I sent it out that were basically telling me about all the typos that I had in in the first newsletter. It was a very humbling experience, let me tell you. But it was also a really wonderful one. I also remember feeling like, okay, whatever, I sent it out. Like that was my goal. And I was so proud of that. And that really allowed me to embark on this journey of starting my website called Bella Life at yourbellalife.com, which is no longer around. And it really led me to start hosting events. I hosted events called Colorful Conversations and just all these different events, um, self-love celebrations. And I absolutely loved it. And it definitely was the starting point to what I would later do with Chronicon, which I just have such an affinity for. And yeah, I started it all because I really wanted my own talk show, as I've mentioned to so many of you over the years. And three years into creating that business, I was so blessed to get a show on uh, a South Asian network that was called Naturally Beautiful. It was the time of my life. And the reason why I'm remembering this right now is not only because it's my anniversary, but because it sort of connects to some of the changes that we're going to be making for this next season and beyond for the Thriving Together podcast. So I am really committed to 
claiming my dreams in a way that I think I haven't as much in a while because I was dealing with a lot of personal stuff. And one of the dreams that is still very alive in me is wanting another talk show. And oh my gosh, my like whole mouth tingles when I say that out loud. Because while it might be obvious to some people, it's something that I sort of had to, you know, sit with over the last few months and own again. And it feels vulnerable to say your dreams out loud sometimes because we don't have control over when or how or if they're going to happen. So in an effort to claim that that is a dream that I have and it is something that I am committed to creating for myself and my life again, I wanted to add video to this podcast. And I'm so excited about that. I think I'm in a place with my health and my body that feels like I can handle and it feels safe being on camera again in the ways that I used to be comfortable being on camera. I also think that the conversations that I've had with my guests over the last couple of seasons, they have been on camera. We just haven't shared the the video with all of you. So I think it'll hopefully help us reach new people. The visual aspect, I think, is going to add a lot to the show. So you might be listening to this um, in your earphones or you know on speaker while you're doing things around your home. But if you do want to create a beautiful Sunday ritual, you can also cozy up to our show on YouTube and we'll have it linked and, you know, have the link and everything to that in the show notes of this episode so that you can see where to stream it and to watch it rather. And I would love to see you there. And I'd love for you to curl up with a you know warm, beautiful drink and something nourishing and sit with us and have you know, a nice, a nice practice of doing that. And maybe also share it with a friend. If this episode resonates with you, I really hope you feel inspired to share it. So now I'm going to switch gears a little bit and talk to you about our guest, Lucy Fink. She is such a wonderful person and there's so much that I could say about Lucy. But what I will say is that I wanted to talk to her because she has sort of been a guiding light in the years that I've been following her, and we, we share how we first met at the very end of the episode. I almost forgot to share it. So at the very end of the episode, um, you'll have to stay till the very end to listen to how we first met, which was such a fun story. And um, yeah, we, you know, since I first met her years ago, I've been following her and really enjoying following her because she has a very calming presence. In my opinion, I found her to be very calming when I watch her content. It doesn't trigger that, you know, some of that nervousness or intensity that I find when I watch other creators online. And she also has a really interesting background and foundation that we get into in the show, which allows her to show up for her work with a deep sense of curiosity. And that is something we also talk about. And Lucy started her career, you know, many years ago when she was just in college, and she actually pitched for a really interesting series for Johns Hopkins University. Sorry, a little tongue twister there, Johns Hopkins University. And um, I don't know why I can't say that out loud, but you know what I'm saying. Um, She actually pitched for a really cool 
series where she would showcase um, the area around the university and also help to entice other people and showcase the, the area so that other people would be excited to join the university. But that was just the very beginning. And there's so much that she has done um, that you can check out online on her YouTube channel. She went on to be a correspondent for the younger generation on the Today Show. She was on there like a dozen times and she would be called in to really speak on her experience as a teenager at the time um, to this large, large audience uh, across the country. And she also was a figurehead at Refinery29 for many years as well, and then went on to do her own thing and um, has just been incredible uh, to watch. And it's been really, really wonderful to see her evolve and see all the different things that she's done throughout her career. She is also coming out with a podcast that is going to be out very soon if it's not out already by the time the show airs. And I hope that you check that out. She is so lovely. And I know that one of the biggest pillars of her podcast is coming at things with a sense of curiosity and really talking about things that like she doesn't hear on every podcast that you listen to, which I think is really important to her. And I also think is really, really interesting. So I hope you check that out as well. We'll have a lot of information about Lucy in the show notes. So please, please check those out. And thank you so much for being here wherever you found us. I hope you stay for a while. I hope you subscribe and share this episode if it resonates with you. I think we talked about things that Lucy doesn't normally talk about, and that's really exciting to me. So without further ado, here is the latest episode of Thriving Together. All right, everyone. I am so honored and so excited to be sitting here with the incredible Lucy Fink. Hi, Lucy. Hi, Nitika. How are you? I'm good. I genuinely wish that I could just like go through the screen right now and give you the biggest hug. Oh, I feel the same exact way. Like the moment I saw your face today, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. I just feel like you have been a constant in my life over the years because I've been watching your journey and we'll talk a little bit about also how we first met years ago. Yes. The big project. Um, The big project. (laughs) Um, and things like that. But I was sort of saying when I shared with my audience about wanting to interview you and doing this conversation today, that you've just been a constant for the best reasons, because I feel like a lot of times I have really struggled, and I know a lot of my friends feel this way too, about you know navigating the creator world, navigating the world of content creation and Instagram and social media and all the things that you do so beautifully and feeling like it can be very negative, it can be very egoic, it can feel like you know um, there's a lot of competition, like all these things that honestly just make you feel y- yucky inside. Yeah. Um, and then I see your content and you're one of the people that I just continue to follow because I find that you have this experience when you're sharing with us that just feels like you're so coming from your heart and it feels as though you're really being genuine and it just doesn't feel like there's ego in that at all when you're sharing. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that. I want to get into a lot of different things today, but I just wanted to start with this because I do feel like that is one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to talk to you today. 
Um, and yeah, and just see like, is there a process that you have to go through that allows you to come from a more heart-centered place? I know you've been doing this work for many years now, but can you just take us through that a little bit or what comes up for you when I even bring that up? Yeah, I mean, I definitely will say that for whatever reason, I I can't even pinpoint a reason, but from the very start of my career in the media space, the idea of being in the scene or, you know, being seen out or being in the right crowd and being part of a crew of influencers never resonated with me. And I mean, I'm the type of person who even throughout college and even high, if I go back as early as high school, I didn't love the whole going out scene and the party scene. I was not a big drinker. I mean, I drank a little bit of alcohol, mostly from peer pressure and just to be like fitting in with everyone. But at a certain point in my college years, it became just sort of known amongst my friends that it didn't make me feel good. It wasn't my activity of choice on a weekend. I always was, I had a twin sister, have a twin sister who has very similar interests to me. And the two of us together from that young age, we even went to college together. We're so lucky that we had this buddy system and we always wanted to do the same things and didn't want to do the same things. So if our friends were going out, we would often stay back and bake cookies and watch a movie and get cozy and put on our pajamas together. And I had a couple of friends throughout different stages of my life that were very interested in that same type of chill lifestyle. I'm also very lucky that my husband, who has been my boyfriend since high school, is similar and has similar values and interests. So I always had my people to just sort of do my own thing with. And entering into the media world, I never had this desire to to like get out and get in the scene and make new friends. I always felt like I was set with my friends in my real life. And my work is my work and my life is my life. So I was not trying to get in front of people or be places. I didn't even like being out at events. So I think especially in the influencer space, as you're up and coming, you get invited to all these press events and everyone wants to go to dinners and be tagged and be on the red carpet. And I would just rather be home in my pajamas with my husband or my twin sister not doing that. And, you know, I still love showing up online. That's my creative outlet. But I never felt the need to be in, in quotes. Yeah. And that was actually something that I had, you know, thought about talking to you about as well in terms of, you know, the fact that you come from what you called in other interviews and things that you've done, a more secure and stable environment. Like your father was on the radio, you know, for many years before you started your own career. And he's been, your parents have been a big presence in your life. You have your twin sister, your husband, you've known for ages as well. But I'm thinking about the people out there who are listening that don't have that same secure, solid foundation, right? And I want to know, what what do you say to those people? Because I actually feel so similar to what you're feeling in terms of not wanting to be in the mix, but also having a craft and a skill set, which is something that you really identify with how you have a skill set to communicate and to create and to produce in this really special way 
that allows you to be able to be in front of the camera and also working behind the camera doing a lot of creation. So what would you say for the people that really only see it as one way, as needing to be in the mix, as feeling that frustration, and that also maybe don't have that secure, you know, foundation that you were so blessed to have growing up? Listen, starting a career on social media is a big choice, and it's not something to take lightly. I know these days, almost everyone and their mom has a TikTok or an Instagram and like literally people and their moms. People and their moms or people with their moms. Yeah. Everyone wants to make content. Everyone wants to get followers. And it's just like universally a thing that people want is to build a personal brand and everyone wants to know how to do it and how to grow. I can't even tell you how much content I'm fed that's like, use this trending sound and you'll gain 15,000 followers. And it's purely for the numbers. And I, I know of so many content creators, you know, in my real life, people I've met in real life, people I follow, who really think of everything they're doing online as the end-all be-all of their real lives. And so they are people who I would categorize as, you know, they don't come from the secure background where they have a network of real people in their lives who love them, but instead they've crafted this online presence where their audience and their community are their people. And those are the people who they turn to when they're feeling anxiety, though, like opening up about their real life stuff is cathartic to them and they hear from people in their community and they feel like that's what they need. And listen, there's nothing wrong with that. I think using your platform in a way to connect with people is what it's all about. So I'm not saying don't do that. However, we all know, I'm sure you know, that the internet is such an unpredictable place in terms of constant feedback, constant commentary, constant criticism. It really never ends and you could be doing all the right things and have all the right intentions and still have someone say something that hurts your feelings or brings you down. And as a creator, it's almost impossible if you're creating content that's doing well in any way, shape, or form to not receive that. So that's happening. The people who have relied on the communities they've built to bring them that sense of security and peace are at a major disadvantage because as soon as that negativity comes in the door, whether it's a Reddit thread they found about themselves or a comment on their post, even a private message that's not seen by others, but just something that their eyes glaze across. Wow, that is that could be their demise and that could just totally take them, unravel them apart and they're not going to feel better until they start getting all the positive feedback again or until people start reinforcing online that they are great. Don't worry, you're great. Don't listen to the haters. You know, those types of comments are what they're waiting for to get back on track. I think you might be referencing this YouTube video I made where I talked about how I stay sane and stable as a content creator. And I, I talked about this analogy of filling up a cup. I feel like in my real life, which means my real friends, my real family, my partner, my child, my real world, that area of my life fills up my cup so so much that it's running over and spilling out. To the point where if my Instagram and TikTok got deleted tomorrow, I'd still be a happy person because of what I have in my real life. Obviously, I'd be creatively stifled and upset after all the hard work. But 
I would be happy. Anything that's coming in from my social media community, which I love and I garner and I not not garner, what's the word? I nurture. Yeah. And I care about anything that comes in from them, you know, adds more splashes to the top of the cup, but it's not really making a dent because the friends and family in real life are filling the cup over. So the moment I see a negative comment or something that makes my heart sink and the bottom of the cup opens and a little bit of water starts draining out from the bottom, it is constantly being replenished from the real side of my life that it never, it never goes down past being full. And nothing that my audience says or doesn't say, no amount of love and no amount of hate can really affect how full my cup is. So for the people who don't have that in their real life, listen, not everyone had that from their upbringing and their childhood, their parents, their siblings, even old friends. But we all are at a place now where we have the ability to find that in real life community and some in real life friends who can be that support for us no matter what is happening in our social media sphere. And it doesn't have to be your blood relatives. You know, a lot of people have toxic relationship with them. It doesn't have to be your siblings. It could be new people that you've found that support you in real life. And preferably, it should be people who don't give a shit about what you're posting online and honestly don't even keep up with it. I like that the best. I feel the most cared for by my friends who are like, oh, I didn't even see that post you're talking about because they're not following me as an influencer. They just care about me when I call them on the phone. I love that so much. And actually, that reminds me of something that I've been working on just in wanting to uncouple my own experience as well of like consuming so much media and feeling like I'm also then so plugged in for a while. I felt like I only knew what some of my closest friends were doing because I saw them on social media, but they were my real friends, you know? So I'm like, wait a second, this is weird. So I actually went through a period of muting some of my close friends because I wanted to hear what was going on with them when we spoke on the phone or when we were texting. Oh, I love that. Yeah, because it just gives you this false sense of intimacy. And I think that's one thing when it's people you don't know, but it's like another thing when it's your your real life friends. Yeah. So I really love that. And one of the things I've noticed in a lot of the conversations that you've had online and a lot of the videos that you've shared is you talk about a lot of different things like Brene Brown you referenced. You've also talked about, you. I know you did a whole deep dive on Ayurveda um, in one of your videos years ago. There's a sense that you are tapped into, or at least at the very, at the very least, curious about something that is maybe more spiritual in nature. Mm -hmm. And you also have talked about like manifesting, I feel like in different things and, you know, um, so I just wanted to know, how does that play a role in your life? Do you consider yourself a spiritual person? And if so, where did that start and, and what's your relationship with that today? That was not something that was taught to me in any way, shape or form. My parents are both, I mean, just in terms of like religion, both of my parents, my dad is Jewish, my mom's Catholic, and we were raised very non-religious at all. We celebrated almost every holiday just for the fun of it. But I remember being taught the words that came out of my parents' mouth were, religion is the cause of all wars. And if you think about it, it's kind of true. 
Not to say that it's also not the cause of a lot of happiness and pleasure in a lot of people's lives, but that's what I was taught about religion and spirituality never came up. It was it was very much a woo woo topic when I was growing up to think about anything spiritual. Although I will say my dad was a hippie he, back in the 60s and 70s. He worked at a radio station and he recently just told me that they were very woo-woo over there. They were burning incense and constantly chanting to like various <laughs> gods that were not theirs. So I don't know. He never passed that to me. By the time he had me, he was more straight edge, I guess. And we never really talked about spiritual things. It wasn't until I was working at Refinery29 and I started making YouTube videos that I just started following my intuition and what I was being called to in the moment. I do think a decent amount of what I was being called towards was a reflection of the type of content that I had somehow stumbled upon on social media and was being attracted to. A lot of creators that were making more spiritual content, more health-related, Ayurvedic-related, I guess I'd call it Eastern medicine practices-related, that sort of content was just really interesting to me. And it was also at a time in my life when I was feeling particularly failed by the Western medicine system uh, in relation to a number of things, but primarily having been on birth control for almost 11 years and finding out that I had a gallbladder, gallstone, and needed to get it removed only to find out that it was a major uh, warning on my birth control that it could cause gallstones, and then immediately coming off the pill and finding out that I actually had an autoimmune disease, celiac disease, and needing to change my diet and go gluten-free. A handful of things happened that were kind of driving me towards these more foundational basic wellness practices of like healing yourself from the inside out. And I was feeling really called to creators like Sahara Rose, who taught me everything about Ayurveda um, and other YouTubers who were practicing these wellness trends that I guess are not really trends at all. They're like the oldest form of medicine in the whole world. And really just following those little through lines of interest is what sort of led me to start creating content and sharing with people what I was learning. It it was for for the first time I felt like consuming content, like listening to podcasts, reading books, learning about these different topics was so enthralling to me that I almost needed to pass it on and create my own version of the content and share it with my people who definitely didn't know what I was talking about. And listen, I'm not, uh, I definitely don't, consider myself to be as spiritual as maybe the average spiritual person out there. I don't, I do feel like I live more of a mainstream lifestyle. Like I honestly don't have a regular meditation practice even. I would love to, but I don't. And I think where it comes into play for me is that my brain thinks in a very wide view of the world, spiritual way in that I constantly feel that I'm, and I was able to do this from a young age, but I constantly feel like I'm able to pull myself out of 
stressful moments in my day-to-day life and view myself and my life from such a wide universe perspective that makes me seem so insignificant and makes whatever problem I'm facing seem so insignificant that it really helps me. You know, a lot of people don't like thinking about that. A lot of people are like, oh, I hate thinking about space or how small I am or how many people are here. And I'm like, the more, the merrier. (laughs) Like, the more people are here, the less important my little problem is, which then leads me to live my life in a way that feels more easygoing. And like, the point really is to just enjoy this experience I'm having. What else could be the point? Wow. I love that so much. And what I am thinking about was really about this whole concept that I, that's been coming up for me with everything that you're sharing. <laughs> I Which can't is, wait to hear. Yeah, this is my concept. Um, is, you know, there's this experience that I have, even with you sharing about, you know, having celiac and I saw your video when you were getting your gallbladder removed mm-hmm. and, you know, all the different experiences that you've had with your health. And also the fact that you've become a mother, you know, not that long ago. And I know you have this like major motherhood guide for anyone who's listening, um, who that relates to. Um, that's epic and amazing for those who um, are interested in that. Thank you. But yes, but I think the thing that's coming up for me, which is something we talk about actually a lot in Chronicon and in the Chronicon community, is you don't seem to overly identify with like a one specific thing, which maybe I'm wrong. But I actually, the reason why that's coming up for me is because when we're talking about chronic illness in particular, a lot of times, and myself included, we have this experience of, you know, when we get the diagnosis, this then becomes such a big part of who we are. And I've noticed even in your content, you share like, oh, these are gluten-free, you know, muffins that I'm making or I'm making these like really great, you know, pancakes in the morning and they're gluten-free. But it's not like it's become your entire identity and now you are just like the gluten-free queen <laughs> and like cannot talk about anything else. And even with motherhood, right? I, I've been very vocal about how I don't plan to have children and it's not in the best interest of my body or my lifestyle. But I, I'm not muting your content because it's like, oh, this isn't relevant for me because I'm not a mother. Because I actually just see you as this full human and you're just sharing this one part of you in that moment and then you move on to the next moment. So am I accurate in that assumption or assessment or how does that land for you? And and is it this concept of you really taking things at a higher view that allows you to be able to do that? That is the first time I've heard it vocalized in that way, but I feel like you couldn't be more spot on in that I've had now multiple things in my life that have come up, whether it's, you know, you got to get your gallbladder out or you have celiac disease or... Um, you know, one random thing that happened when I was trying to figure out why I was having the migraines that led to the celiac diagnosis. I went to get a brain scan because I thought maybe I had a brain issue. And I learned about this super bizarre vein abnormality in my brain that causes one of my sides of my brain to drain blood differently than the other side. Like the scan was super asymmetrical. And It wasn't anything that was related to my headaches, but seeing the scan was just like terrifying. The doctor said it's the type of scan that most people who have this abnormality don't ever get a scan to see it, but it's 
probably not causing you any issues, but this is how you were born. And similarly, I was having some chest pain a year ago or half a year ago and went to cardiologist to get all these scans and discovered that I also have another abnormal heart situation where my um, I have like an additional accessory pathway that's carrying electricity out of my heart, which is causing some bizarre beats on the EKG. Almost all of these things that I learn about, although I'm very lucky in that none of them have been like, you now need medicine or you need surgery or you need to do something about it. So I guess it's easy to say, or it's easy to understand why this is the case. But I learn about these things and it's not that I'm like denying that they exist, but I guess I just feel such a strong, this goes back to the woo-woo universe stuff. I just feel such a strong sense that the universe has got me and that it knows what it's doing and it's not going to give me something that I'm not supposed to have. That's not to say that I'm not going to get diseases or sicknesses or I'm not going to have problems thrown my way, but I have a very quick response rate to when something doesn't go my way, being able to very quickly accept it and say it wasn't meant to be. And even like a, a less medical example, but a more tangible work example would be this past year, I really wanted to write a book and spent six or seven months writing a book proposal, worked so hard with my team to pull this thing together, sent it out to a handful of publishers and publishing houses, and was so lucky to get two huge publishing houses, Simon & Schuster and HarperCollins, wanted to have meetings. My team was telling me, like, this is the biggest, this is the biggest hurdle. The hardest part is getting the meetings. Once you have a meeting, it means they want your book and they want to bid on the rights. So I go into these meetings almost like as if I'm interviewing them, have two of the best meetings of my life, conversations with these women publishers that, you know, made me feel like they were pitching themselves to me and I had my pick of the litter and, oh my gosh, I I hung up the call and would have laid my whole life out on the line that I was getting a book deal. And we waited for the auction. My my agent set the day for the auction and it was like a Thursday at 2 p.m. and I'm waiting around and I get an email from her an hour later, subject line, shocking turn of events. And the email says, hi, Lucy, I'm so sorry, but in a shocking turn of events, I put out the call for the auction to both houses and both houses have pulled out of the auction. And here's the reasons they shared. You know, it was... Uh, different reasons like one of them was that I didn't have strong enough social media engagement to be an author which blew my mind because I went into the Barnes and Noble earlier that week and said to my husband after the fact absolutely zero percent of the authors on this shelf had any social media following whatsoever so for a person to write a book that has even a following let alone what I consider to be a pretty strong engaged audience It just didn't make sense. And then the other reason was that they, you know, the higher up at the company didn't approve it. So it was a big letdown. And I definitely let myself cry about it in the moment. It was mostly tears of frustration of like how hard I worked, how much I tweaked the original concept 
And then the fact that it just wasn't going to work and my vision of what I was going to be able to share that I had done was crushed. But when I tell you that within like 42 minutes of getting that email, I was like, whew, thank God, this is not the right time for me to write a book. Could you imagine if I was writing a book going into next year? I think in the next year I want to get pregnant. I really was talking about a podcast and my team is pitching this podcast idea. How would I possibly write a book? That would have been the worst book ever on the shelves in Barnes & Noble. And it just immediately was like, wow, I know I'm going to write a book one day, but that was not the right team for me or that was not the right book to come out as my first book. And I just adjusted my mindset and moved on. And I honestly haven't thought about it much since. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) I'm just like, you know, what's coming up for me as you share all of that and everything that you've been sharing is couple of things. Um, well, the, the main thing that's coming up is I've been doing a lot of work around my nervous system. Mm. And one of the things that they talk about in nervous system work is that when you're in a more parasympathetic rest and digest place, you have a greater sense of curiosity, which I know is a word that you use a yes. lot to describe how you view the world and like navigate what you're doing in the world, which I love. And you're also highly adaptable. When you're in fight or flight, you are not. You are stuck and like in that moment, you're you're almost like immovable. You know, is that a word? I feel like it is a word. You're yeah, Im- immobile. Immo- something. <laughs> something. It, I think immovable works too. Immovable. Unmovable. It's a word today. Um, but you know, you're not you're not moved as easily, and mm-hmm. and so that is something that I think is really interesting. And then going back to the conversation around that secure foundation and having that really solid foundation in your life of this inner circle of the people that you surround yourself with. I think that does impact the way that you're able to um, adapt in these ways. I also want to say, I mean, I think it's important to point out a decent amount of my general privilege that I've had in life because I don't know, you know, there's no way for a person to take themselves out of their own shoes really like you can imagine but and I do feel like I'm a generally empathetic person but I came from an incredibly privileged background in many ways from a financial standpoint I was from a well-off suburban town and my parents didn't struggle with money my parents were able to pay to put three kids through college without student loan debt I think that's very important for some aspects of my general lack of anxiety around many facets of my life. I think like that can't go unsaid. And perhaps even more importantly than monetary privilege, I feel like what we're talking about with the general like stable emotional environment that I was brought up in, I, I think I use the term like emotional wealth which not everyone has. And I feel like that is another form of wealth you can give your children is a stable, secure upbringing in every sense of the word, whether that's like calm voices or, you know, open lines of communication. I feel like I got all of those things, which no doubt in various ways have led to me being able to have the mindset I have and probably me having 
somewhat of the level of success I have in business, which then maybe trickles down to me being able to afford other luxuries and conveniences that in turn make my life even easier. So it's a cycle and I can't not mention that. Yeah, um, I definitely appreciate you mentioning the privilege because I know I'm thinking of so many people, especially that engage with our content at Chronicon, who did not come from that place or even in just physically like very debilitating situations that are very real and you know even just affording like the medical uh, needs that they have and you know the surgeries that they need or their, their medicines it's that basic level of care that is nearly impossible based on the life circumstances that they have mm-hmm. so I do think it's incredibly important to mention privilege and I always want to you know, have that at the forefront, if not at least in the background of these conversations. I also am really interested in people learning, you know, we can't change how we were raised, right? And there was a time even in my life, I have incredibly loving parents, but we are very different. So I had a lot of challenges just emotionally with them and in the ways I wanted to be versus how they wanted me to be. And then getting diagnosed with my first chronic illness at 10. So it was it was a, a different type of experience. It wasn't a stable and secure experience in those ways. But there was a time in my life where I had to say, okay, now I'm an adult. Like, what am I going to do for me today? Even in the days when I was stuck in my bed and I couldn't move for my health, right? So for those people that are listening that are you know, captivated by everything that you've been able to create, understanding that there's privilege that comes with it, but that you live every day with this very in the moment curious lens. Is there something that you would say would be a great thing for them maybe to focus on even just one thing if they're feeling like they're not in a place of thriving, if they're feeling like they're sort of stuck under the rubble of all of these different experiences that they're going through? Is there something if a friend were to call you today that you would be like, oh, hey, love, just do this one thing? What would that Hmm. be? I think at this very moment in my life, what I would point to is a certain breathwork technique that I've been eating up. And it's really just the Wim Hof breathing technique, which just to describe how to do it, what I would recommend is go... I mean, either go on YouTube and watch Wim Hof do a guided version of it, or there is a a Spotify follow along Wim Hof breathing thing with some vegan woman. I don't know her name, but it's it has vegan in the name. You could just type in like guided Wim Hof, but you basically do 25 to 30 really rapid like in through the nose, out through the mouth. I hope that didn't pop everyone's earbuds. (laughs) And really quickly, like a deep breath in and a quick breath out. By around 20 or 25, you're going to start to notice your fingers and toes are tingling. Your vision might be going. You need to be like lying down in a safe space when you do this. I start to feel super lightheaded, but it's almost like lean into that and trust that. I guess what I've heard breathwork coaches say is like, if you pass out, you pass out, but lean into it. And I've never passed out from it. But, you know, I 
breathe in, breathe out. And then once, and by the way, don't do this if you have a heart problem or (laughs) if you're pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Any, if you're pregnant, have a heart problem or have any other health concerns, consult a doctor. But if you don't, then, you know, deep breath in, short breath out up to 30. Then when you get to 30, you just stop. After the breath out, you just stop and you count about a minute, set a timer and just lie there. And it's not, it's the weirdest moment because you're you're technically holding your breath but it's after an out breath so it's not like you're you breathed in and then you're holding it like that it's like you're you just breathed out so you're sort of in this in-between moment of holding breath and because you just did this rapid breathing that was probably uncomfortable it feels so good to just sit still for a minute and your heart is racing so fast that like the blood is going where it needs to go and it doesn't feel strenuous. By the end of the minute, you take one deep breath in and then hold for 15 seconds. That's cycle one. Then you go back and do the whole thing again, the 25 to 30 fast breaths. And by the second cycle, when you get to the final out breath and you hold, you will find that your lung capacity to hold your breath has increased. So you might be able to now comfortably make it to a minute and a half of not breathing. Once you get to your breaking point, breathe in, hold for 15 seconds, and then do a third cycle. And so you do that whole thing three times. It's incredible how by the third time, sometimes I can hold my breath for two or two and a half minutes. And like I know that holding that capacity is such an indicator of so many health markers and so it's really a good thing to practice but by the end of that it's almost like I've just given myself this natural shot of happiness and preparedness to go into the day and it's all natural I just like oxygenated my body and gave myself a lot of really good um, molecules and actually there's like there are studies and now this, you know, if people are super woo-woo or don't believe in some of this stuff or consider it pseudoscience, I get it. But there are studies of people who have been injected with E. coli and then half of them practice that breathing technique and half don't. And the ones that practice it fight off the infection. Like almost immediately your body is creating anti-inflammatory markers that help fight infection, boost your immune system. So it's almost just like this quick, I don't know, it usually takes 10 minutes wellness boost you can give your body. And in the past couple weeks, I've been trying to do it first thing before I get out of bed. It is a little difficult since my son is my alarm. And when he's calling, he's calling. But if my husband's getting him and if I have a little bit of time in bed, I'll do that. And stepping out of bed and then going about the rest of the day is feels different. And even if you can stop in the middle of your workday and just lie on the floor and give yourself 10 minutes and do that, I think that, you know, just look at some of the comments on the YouTube videos. People are claim that it changes so many aspects of their lives. So don't even take my word for it. Go look at other people's testimonials. I love that you shared that with us. I feel like the Wim Hof Method is something I've heard about. I've seen people talk about. Um, and yeah, I don't think I've talked to somebody who's experienced it firsthand like you have. I think I've more seen it in the zeitgeist. Um, and so I, I love that that's something that you shared. And it's also something that's free, which I also love. Yes. <laughs> no matter what's going on. And, you know, um, what Lucy shared 
is amazing. But I feel like what you were saying is even if you start just very small and you just kind of take one step at a time and, and practice it, um, I think that, you know, would be incredible. And I also think for a lot of these things, I don't know if you feel this way too, but a lot of times it's not even always about what we're doing. It's the fact that we're taking that time to be with ourselves in that way. Yes. And that has made a huge difference for me. Giving yourself that space, even though it's a short amount of time, to just do something for yourself, even if it's a 10-minute journaling session, a 10-minute of silence, following a meditation, something about walking away from that time chunk, it just feels like, this is what I've been saying I wanted to do, and here, I just did it. And so oftentimes when people are like, what can I do? How can I feel better? I also give this to people as advice when they're like, I want to be a content creator. What do I do? I literally just tell people, just do it. (laughs) Just commit to doing it and do it. It's the getting past the actual doing that is the biggest hurdle for people. And if you just do it, you will feel better. And I know it's like people are like, but how? It's so hard. How do I push myself? You just do it. Just don't not do it. (laughs) Yeah. And one of the things, um, you know, and I know we're coming towards the end of our time together, but one of the things I had written down to want to mention with you too is how it, it feels as though you really take your life into your own hands in terms of your career in particular, because like you're saying, if someone's like, oh, I want to be a content creator, I want to do this thing, or I want to have a podcast, or even for me, you know, I have always wanted to be a talk show host. And it's something that I did for many years, years ago. Um, But it was because I created my own website. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this and have this be the visual of having my own show. And then I got one. So I do think that's a really special thing to be proactive in that way and say, I'm going to do this on my own and not wait for someone to give me the validation or sometimes even the funding to do it, to be, have permission to do it. Yes. So much, of, so much of being a content creator is just starting and not stopping. I remember, especially in the early influencer days, the amount of almost, I guess you could call it like wannabe influencer content that I created just because I wanted to be doing that. I wanted to be working with brands. So I would be doing reviews and creating content about and talking about products that I already had or that I had bought myself just so that my page was filled with me sharing stuff I loved with consumers so that other brands might look at it and think, oh, maybe maybe she's charging for this. Let's see. And then when they come to me and want to send me a product, I can then say, oh, I have a rate for that. Even if I'd never had a rate before, it's a fake it till you make it world. And if you're not putting out and just already kind of getting started in a low touch way with what you want to do, then you're not even telling the world, let alone the people in it, who you are and what you have the capacity for. Yeah, sometimes you got to show the world before they they really get it. And I think you have modeled that so beautifully. And as we end our time together, I just wanted to ask you, what is your version of thriving? So this is all about thriving together, as you know. And I just want to know if people were to look in on a day with you, what would thriving look like for you? I think thriving is when I'm just the most accepting of whatever is in that moment. Being a mom 
with a full-time job, having a husband who also has a full-time job. We both luckily work from home. But, you know, balancing the worlds of parenting with creative endeavors is kind of an ongoing balancing act. And I am fortunate enough in that we are able to pay for our son to both be in a five-day-a-week preschool for half the day and then we have a nanny for the other half of the day that is with him slash we both have parents that are within the area so he has many grandparent play dates and there's a lot of support for him and we are really able to sort of disconnect and do our work during the days but it is kind of a constant back and forth of I always feel wouldn't my life be a lot easier if I just totally picked one route and just dove in because even though it might sound right now like I've chosen the work route because I have the nanny and the support and the school I still am very plugged in to like everything my son is doing in a day and not only am I plugged in like his school is sending photos all day and I'm looking multiple times a morning at what he's doing I am stopping midday every day when he comes home from school to like have a little break and play with him when he's down for a nap I'm sometimes doing other work, but I am looking at the monitor and seeing if he's taking a good nap. After his nap's over, I'm working with his nanny to figure out where he should go. Should he go to the library, the museum, have a play date, stay home? What is he eating for dinner tonight? I'm plugged in. And so sometimes I think like if I just decided that I don't care about work and I just want to be a mom. Not only would we be able to save childcare money, but I could just I could see myself as like a real DIY crafting at home mom who's just like making caterpillars out of grapes and having the best day ever. On the flip side, I'm always like maybe I should just lean in and unplug and let go and go into my work and do my work and not see him in the middle of the day and just only see him in the morning and night. Both routes seem easier than this like in-between moment, but I feel I'm really thriving when I just accept and come to a place where I feel grateful that I get to do both and that I can do both and that my day is very different every day of the week and that's just the way it is and how lucky that I can feel creative and do all the things I want to do while stopping and playing with my son in the middle of the day. So for me, thriving is really just accepting where I'm at and not trying to be in a different space. I love that. I think whether you're a mom or not, you can, people can really relate to that. I definitely, I was just talking to a friend yesterday who's dealing with like the job search. You know, she wants to get a job in corporate and she's really struggling with it. And I was like, this is the most annoying answer ever, but surrendering and just accepting that like this is what's happening right now is probably going to be the most helpful thing you can do. So yes, thank you for that, Lucy. And um, I just realized we didn't share uh, how we met. So I feel like that's oh, yeah, the most important part. The best way, best way to end our conversation. But yeah, Lucy and I met because we were both in somersault swimsuit campaigns you were in the same campaign both in somersault swimsuits um and it was the best campaign ever we got to go on set we had hair and makeup we were wearing cute swimsuits and then the campaign wound up being splashed on the new york city subway station and it was just so fun to commute to work every day 
It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Um, and I think it's one of the best projects and campaigns I've ever been a part of. I don't know. I mean, you've been yep. a part of so many. Me too. Me too. No, yeah, absolutely. Right. It was, I love projects that are done out of my home. I just feel like everything's shot in my house. So going so, going to a studio, having hair and makeup, it's such a luxury and felt really, it felt like an elevated partnership with obviously such an amazing message. Yes, I could not agree more. So I love that that's how we met and I loved having you on our show today. It's such an honor to get to spend some time with you and also share you with this audience because I know so many of them follow you and look up to you and the content that you share. So thanks for being here with us, Lucy. Thank you, Nitika. Love this chat. That was so 